Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Great is the faithfulness of our God, and he has given us this morning, filled with his mercy, to gather as part of his family that stretches around the face of the globe, to gather as people who have been called by his love and mercy, to gather as people here to give him praise and honor and glory and to be filled with his spirit that we might go into the world and take it to there as well. Friends, let us be called together in worship then as we read responsively from the 18th Psalm. I love you, O Lord, my strength. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Friends, let us worship God.
God who is faithful in Jesus Christ, who loves us so deeply and generously in him, welcomes us into his loving arms, into his presence. We therefore can confess our sins to him. In one voice and in one heart, let us confess together. God of mercy and truth, we seek your forgiveness for the sinful way we live. We are unworthy to be your children, unfit to be your servants. We are burdened with memories of things undone that ought to have been done, and of things done that ought not to have been done. Bring us afresh the healing and cleansing power of your spirit, that we may lay hold of the salvation you offer and walk in newness of life to the glory and praise of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends and sisters and brothers in Christ, let it be heard, trusted, and believed in that God so loved us that he gave his son Jesus Christ for the life of the world. In Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we are set free. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. God has given us peace with him and with one another. Therefore, let us share signs of God's love and peace with one another, not only this day, but every day. And so without saying a word, let us share signs of God's love and peace. Once you get outside, talk all you want to. <laughs> Friends, let me share with you just a few bits and pieces of news and information so that we're sure that everyone knows what is coming up in the life of the church. I'm not going to talk about everything, so please be sure to read the emails that we send you a couple of times a week. We spend about 600 hours every week writing all of that, and it will be very informative to you if you read it. First of all, this is the kickoff Sunday for our Homeless Veterans Initiative. We are very happy to be part of a ministry that successfully is taking homeless vets off the streets, putting them into homes, and giving them a chance at success in life. You can visit the table that's adorned in red, white, and blue out on the patio and learn more about how you can participate. Our many Bible studies are gearing up again this week. The Monday evening group will be on Zoom. La Costa Glen, Wednesday morning women's and Thursday morning men's will all be meeting in person at their various sites. And then next Sunday, our Sunday morning Bible group will begin immediately after the first service. So plan the way that you can participate in those very, very fruitful ministries. I want to extend a, a word of condolence and care to the Pressa family today. Earlier, uh, Neil's a grandfather, 93-year-old grandfather in the Philippines went to be with the Lord, so we're surrounding the whole Pressa family with our prayers today. And then I feel like I have to say a word of welcome because uh, we have a, a choir here with us this morning, and that's just magnificent. <laughs> Our section leaders, of course, have been with us through the duration, but we're now experimenting with adding a few folks in with all the appropriate protocols, and we're just thrilled to have you. So would you continue to lead us in worship, please? God bless you all.
MJ and Kennedy Harris are here to present their son for the sacrament of baptism in the Church of Jesus Christ. As they come, let us all remember these words of Jesus, who said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. And so, friends, obeying the word of our Lord Jesus and sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he has called to be his own. In Jesus Christ, God has promised to forgive our sins and has joined us together in the family of faith, which is his church. He has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. For in Jesus Christ, God has promised to be our Father and to welcome us as brothers and sisters of Christ. MJ and Kennedy, in presenting your son for baptism, you announce your faith in Jesus, and you show that you want your son to study him, know him, love him, and serve him as his chosen disciple. Now show your purpose by answering these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Do you trust in him? And do you intend your son to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? We do. Our Lord Jesus Christ ordered us to teach those who are baptized. Do you, the people of the church, promise to tell this child, Stuart Grayson, the good news of the gospel, to help him to know all that Christ commands and by your fellowship to strengthen his family ties with the household of God. Do you? Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness that is promised in this sacrament. We thank you that in the object of water and in the sound of our prayer, that your spirit moves to accomplish the goodwill that you have for Stuart Grayson and that you have for us all. May what we say be your word and what we say your work so that all will accrue to the glory and honor of your son in whose name we pray, amen. What is your son's name? Stuart Grayson. You wanna give this a try, buddy? You wanna come see me? No. You're too old. You know what's going on here. I'll carry you. Stuart, you can carry me, Captain. Yeah, that would work. Stuart Grayson, I want you to look at this water for a second. This water is a deep and beautiful symbol of God's love for us because it was through the waters of the chaos of all things that God created the land as our home through the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan River that God delivered the Hebrew people to be his people, and then in those same waters of the Jordan that Jesus himself was baptized. And so, Stuart Grayson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You want to touch the water? Come here. 
Pretty cool, huh? Okay, Captain, follow me. <laughs> so Stuart, we have just done something that welcomes you into the life of faith and into the life of this family. You have a beautiful family that has loved you for years now and will continue to love you, especially you have a mom and a dad who are going to be teaching you all about the love of Jesus Christ. But in addition, you have millions and millions of aunts and uncles and cousins all over the world who are part of your family now. And we're all going to be praying for you and encouraging you as you come to know the love and beauty of Jesus Christ in your life. It is a privilege that we have to welcome you and to honor you, and I can't wait to see Kennedy and MJ try to raise you. That's going to be fun. Come on up here. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the great joy it is to welcome this child into your family, the great privilege that it is to be here as he is baptized, the great responsibility that it is to all of us to be such a community of love and faithfulness and righteousness and justice that Stuart will come to know you. We thank you for the love that he brings to us and we pray for him for all time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless Good you, buddy. Job, buddy. I'll Go see you later this afternoon. <laughs> Take care. Brothers and sisters, let us join in lifting our prayers to a God who brings beauty from ashes and strength from fear. Please pray with me. Gracious and almighty God, who loves us with an everlasting love, hear our prayers of praise and supplication, of joy and of mourning. Comfort your people where their grief consumes them. Forgive me, Lord, where my anger rages against the doors of evil. Change my heart where I show little or no compassion for my enemies and have no desire to share the good news of your grace and mercy. You alone, Lord, can change our hearts to bring peace through your Son, Jesus. As we reflected yesterday on the 20-year anniversary of a tragedy, that lingers, and for so many more tragedies and travesties that have beset us, we as a community of faith collected in worship together cry out, comfort, comfort your people. Here are silent prayers for those whose lives have been lost in acts of violence, prayers for their families, friends, colleagues, and for their nations that suffer. We lift our heads up to you, our God, where our help comes. We gather in this hour to worship you and to once again hear and obey your word. Help us to be good citizens, voting wherever we have an opportunity. And Lord, we lift up in prayers, prayers of comfort for the Pressa family and for all in our congregation who are grieving loss. Even in a world that is full of challenge, we gather to celebrate baptisms, to sing praises to you and proclaim your word, for we are a people with a future and a hope. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us, Holy Spirit, 
Lead us to care for the poor, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, and our enemies so that we may reflect your word each day by our obedience to follow you, Jesus, as we pray the prayer you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Stand with me now so that together we may give our full attention to the reading and the hearing of God's word for our lives today as we find it recorded in the first book of Samuel and in the gospel according to Matthew. Hannah prayed and said, my heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It was somewhere around the year 1989 on a visit to New York that Helen and I took a cruise around the island of Manhattan. I grew up in a tiny little town where the tallest building was maybe three stories high. And so all those skyscrapers on that tiny little island were incredible incredibly impressive to me. I was awed, even though I'd seen them before. I'd never seen them in quite that way, circling the whole cluster of them, awed by the beauty of the Chrysler Building and the majesty of the Empire State Building, and then, of course, the sheer mass of the World Trade Center. Someone on this tour asked a question of the tour guide about how it was that this tiny little sliver of land could support the weight of all those buildings. 
And I'll never forget the answer. The guide said that Manhattan is essentially one big boulder, a massive rock of incredibly dense rock that weighs an awful, awful lot. And he said that when you dig down into the rock to build the foundation of the building, that the weight of the stone that is removed far outstrips the weight of the building that is built on top. And the island is actually lighter than it used to be. Of course, I thought of that tour and of that comment and of those buildings, especially a couple of them, 20 years and a day ago, as we all focused our hearts on one of the great cataclysmic tragedies of our nation's history as some of the tallest and proudest of those buildings came down, as thousands were murdered, as the world changed. A few months after 9-11, I had the privilege of visiting one of the adjacent skyscrapers that had remained intact. And I visited an office about 50 stories above the ground. And for over an hour, I stood and looked down into the crater that was left as all the rubble was excavated and as the huge square holes were revealed, the holes that had been dug in the rock to be the foundations of the World Trade Center. And of course now a new tower stands on that same bedrock. You know, life is full of cataclysmic, catastrophic events. Some of them play out almost instantaneously or maybe in just a few hours before millions of watching eyes, but some of them play out over years and years of time and are known only to a few. It was that way for a woman of the 11th century before Jesus, a woman named Hannah. Hannah's life was a slowly unfolding tragedy. The crisis for her was that she could bear no children. In the culture of Hannah's day, as one of the two wives of Peninnah, Hannah could not bear a child, and the, the other wife was bearing many children. She was the success. Hannah was the failure. And so one day we're told in the book of 1 Samuel that Hannah came across a priest of the temple named Eli, and Eli saw her distress and prayed with her and for her, and finally Hannah bore a son to her husband Elkanah. The son that Hannah bore was named Samuel, who became the last of the great judges of Israel. When the people who had escaped slavery in Egypt came into the Holy Land, 
The 12 tribes were governed by spiritual and political rulers called the judges. Samuel was the last of them, arguably the greatest of them. And it was in Samuel's lifetime, Hannah's son, that God finally agreed to give the people a king. And it was through Samuel's vision and Samuel's ministry that Saul was chosen and then anointed as the king. Hannah had been taken from a place of shame and failure and obscurity, and she was lifted into the great panoply of those heroes of the faith through whom God's plan for all of Israel and all of humanity ultimately was fulfilled. I don't know if Hannah knew exactly just how big her life had become as she bore young Samuel, but we do know what she prayed. In absolute joy, in total worship, Hannah said, my heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Eleven centuries later, someone else would talk about the rock who is our God. As Jesus came to the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount, according to the way the Gospels tell the story, his single greatest discourse, revelation of the truth of God and the truth of our lives and especially the truth about how we are meant to live, Jesus said to the people, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. And so we believe that God is the rock upon which the only true and good and righteous and holy and lasting life can be built. How is God like a rock? I want more specifics. I want to know particular things, real-life things that these high-sounding theological concepts begin to touch on. In her prayer, Hannah actually described many different ways in which God is that rock for us. She says that God brings down the proud. We know proud, don't we? We know those who think that the world revolves around them. If you are someone who thinks that the world revolves around you, I have news for you. (laughs) I know Grayson is excused. He'll learn. God brings down the proud. What does that mean? That simply means that God is higher than everyone else and everything else. You can take the best and the brightest, the boldest and the biggest, everything that all of us have done, the greatest cultures, everything, and it's nothing compared to God. Hannah says that God is filled with knowledge. We think we know a lot. We know more than we used to. But have you ever considered how smart God is? What kind of intelligence does it take 
intelligence that then is translated into actual power that actually does something in order to create the whole universe and all of time and everything that's in it. God's knowledge is infinite. Hannah says that God is the judge of all human actions. You and I sometimes have a hard time deciding what to have for dinner tonight. We sometimes have a hard time knowing which way to go, what's right, what's wrong in this confusing world of ours. But God is so incredible in that he is the only one who knows the true heart the true implications, the true inspirations of all that is. God is the one who strengthens the feeble, raises up the poor, and lifts the needy. All of those folks for whom life is not working out very well, either through the circumstances into which they have been born or the circumstances of their poor choices, even God can take even them and raise them up and make them strong again. God is the source of life, the very source of life. Think about that. Could you make Life, of course, you could not. None of us can. Not all of us together can. All we can do is prolong life sometimes and take life far too often, but we do not make life. Only God does. Hannah says that God rescues us from Sheol, from that which is seemingly the end of our lives. God can go even there and give us life. Indeed, God is the one who planted the pillars of the earth. It's one of my favorite images. Think of how big those foundational pillars would need to be to hold up the whole creation. And God is bigger than even those. He's the one who plants those. Hannah describes so many ways in which God is the foundation of our life. And those things we need to remember as we continue to think today about the business of coming home and going home into the heart of God. Last week, I started a series of messages that will take us through the fall, thinking about how it is that you and I want to to come home to God. We want to be with God, and we want God to be with us. There is nothing more important, nothing more lasting, especially when things are not going well. Today, what I want to talk about is the fact that home is that place where we find our foundation. And so if we're going to go home to God, if God is going to welcome us and receive us in the home that he is for us, then we have to learn to go deep. When you go home today, take those two words with you. Go deep. Why do we need to go deep? When do we need to go deep? Well, think about it. You and I are about the business of building things all the time. 
We build our careers, our images, our families, our relationships, our social networks. We build houses to house all of this stuff. We just build everything that is the stuff of a normal human life. Hannah was trying to build that life that was the ideal for her in her time of having children. But all the stuff we build gets blown away, washed away, destroyed in some way. That's the challenge of human life. Even nursery rhymes and old fables talk about that problem. For instance, the great theological epic of the three little pigs. It's not only country western songs and bumper stickers that have great theology in them. You remember the story of the three little pigs. One little pig builds a house of straw, one little pig builds a house of sticks, and another little pig builds a house of bricks. And the big bad wolf comes along and he huffs and he puffs and he blows down the house of straw and he blows down the house of sticks, but he can't make the house of bricks budge. What is it? for us that cannot be destroyed. When the market crashes, when our health fails, when loved ones betray us, when we betray ourselves, when a loved one dies, when our towers come tumbling down, what do we do? We have two choices. We can crumble with them or we can build again. And if we are going to build again, we must first go deep. And it is only in the deep, in the deep place where we find God, that we can find all that we need to build and to live again. And so there's another question that comes along. You should ask it, how? How do I go deep? What do I actually do to make that happen? Many decades ago now, I learned that I knew something about how to go deep even though I didn't know that I knew. I believe that God has built an instinct into us, a spiritual instinct, if you will, that even when we do not believe in God, it takes us to that place where when we know we need something bigger and stronger and deeper than we are, we find ways to go deep. I learned that decades ago when my first wife died. Here's what I did. I went back to places that were important to me. I went back home. I went back to the school from which I had graduated. I went back to the fields on which I had played. I went up into the mountains that I had visited so often before. I went back to the places that had something to do with my history that had taught me who I was and what I was all about. And in going back to those places, I went back to certain events of life. 
certain things that had been pivotal for me, certain moments in life like the time when I was selected by the guys on the playground to be the center for the basketball team. <laughs> Sorry, that's a fantasy. I was selected to be the point guard, okay? You go back to the places and the events of life that tell you who you are. I went back to my church, my little tiny home church. But in going back to those places and those events, I went back to the people. The people. The people that who had hugged me when I had fallen down and skinned my knee. The people who encouraged me as a young adult the people who sometimes challenged me and corrected me, but always loved me. And then I went back to God Himself. That's what we do every day, whether we know it or not, when we pray, when we read the holy words of Scripture, when we gather together with other people who know God and love God. We are going back to God Himself. Those are the ways we go deep when life has blown everything else away and we have to go into the foundation, into the rock of all things. That's how we go deep. We clear away the rubble and we get ready to go again. Dear Hannah described what we find when we go deep into God. We find that God replaces our pride with humility and then the reliance on Him that springs forth only from humility. We find that God replaces our foolishness with true wisdom about life, wisdom that comes only from God. We find that God replaces our judgmentalism with His grace and with His love for all people. We find that God replaces our fear and our weakness with trust in Him and then courage to keep going. We find that God replaces our despair and our resignation to dying and instead God gives us renewed life now and forever. I learned an old saying when I was in junior high, I think, on a football field as I listened to an old coach. He was very fond of saying that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I love that saying, but it's not the whole truth. Sometimes we're not tough at all. Sometimes we don't know how to keep going. And so more importantly, what I want to say is that when the going gets tough, the people of God go deep. And there we find the one who is underneath all things and who loves us. Amen. Let us join together and affirm our faith from the Epistle to the Romans. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. At the end of his sermon, at the end of every sermon, we should ask this question. Are we building on sand or building on rock? It is a simple choice, not always easy to make, not always easy to play out in life. And so we must always remember that the first and the best thing the wisest and the last thing that we should do is to go deep into God. So now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen. <laughs>